Under the Radar, and I'm Sue O'Connell filling in for Callie Crossley, and now for part of the show we call Lanya. That's Creole for something extra. Look, at Boston has often been ranked as having notoriously poor nightlife. Most clubs have a curfew at 2 a.m., and the trains, they stop running just after midnight. And it's even hard to find a bar that closes after 1 a.m., despite the fact that the city is known as a bar town. Now, Boston has been ranked, on average, as the 13th best city to travel by several travel blogs and review websites. Now, that's not a terrible rating, but we are nowhere near New York City or Miami. So what kind of toll does this take on the tourism and entertainment economy? How can the city grow into a social hub? Joining me remotely is Corrine Reynolds, the newly appointed director of Nightlife Economy for Boston City Government. Hello, Corrine, and welcome. Hello, Sue. Thank you so much for having me today. So it's right there in your title. It says nightlife, but it also says economy. What is going to be the role? What do you see doing to boost our nightlife in a way that helps our economy? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, this role is really to serve as a liaison for the nightlife industry, community, and city agencies. We really want to coordinate city services and programs to promote responsible growth, diversity, creativity, inclusion, um, quality of life for all Boston residents and visitors. And, and that, you know, the nightlife economy is important in that. Um, and we want to make this a vibrant 24-hour city. You know, as someone who has had people from different industries and hosted them coming into Boston for conferences and conventions and meetings and guild meetings and, um, you know, seeing the look on their face when they find out that a club closes at 2 or on a Tuesday night, good luck getting a drink after, after 10 p.m. What kind of battle do you think you're fighting here to kind of change the reputation that Boston has? Well, I think it's it's a it's an interesting question. So I wouldn't call it a battle necessarily, um, but I, I think we do have a few obstacles um, in our way uh, to changing the narrative uh, of what Boston is perceived to be. Um, you know, the when you it comes to closing at two and you know not having. Uh, what would you call a happy hour? That is actually state law. So that is probably the the biggest myth of what I could change in the city. Can't change that, but I can push for for folks to um, really work with their legislature and and see if we can make some changes to these laws. Um, I think Boston has a bunch of perceptions and identities. And I think a part of my role is really to identify what that main identity is and promote what the already existing robust resources that we have and think of new and creative ways to make a more robust nightlife. 
So, Corrine, how are you defining nightlife? Because as someone, I used to work in the in the nightclub business back in the 1980s, and you know, fast forward to now, it's a, it's a, a totally different world in a way. Many people, young people who would go out to to meet people, are now doing it online. We have a whole generation of kids coming out of college who rarely go out; they interact on on their phones. How do you define nightlife? Yeah, we see nightlife um, comprising of about like five different sectors, right? That and the activity that occurs between 6 p.m. and 6 a.m., if you will. Um, Those sectors focus on the food service, the bars, um, arts and culture that's happening, the venues that support some of the, the great talent that we attract here to the city of Boston and the sports and the recreation options here. And so that, that kind of encompasses the nightlife that we're viewing. We really want nightlife to be family friendly and inclusive for all Bostonians and visitors to um, enjoy. WBZ-TV recently did a little assessment to talk to some locals about nightlife and, and gave it some mixed reviews. Let's take a listen. I love going out in the city, and honestly, I love going out in Boston. Bruins game, Celtics game, anything good, Red Sox. We need better way in and out. Ubers suck. Waiting for the tea sucks. The bars can't close anymore at like 1.30. That's, it's ridiculous. Like, I mean, New York, you get till 5. You know, Karina, my other job at Bay Windows, we once called the late mayor, Tom Menino, mayor no fun. <laughs> because he famously went on BNN saying, nothing good happens in Boston after 1 a.m. You should be home. What are you doing out anyway? But he was in response to someone asking about getting the tea to run overnight, uh, especially on weekends. And not just for folks who are working in the business, which is important, but also for folks who don't want to use an Uber and don't want to drive, especially if they've been, you know, having some legal fun out in the nightclubs. With a new MBA, uh, MBTA director, do you think that there's some opportunity there to expand those services? Uh, I think that. There's definitely opportunity there, but, you know, I, I feel for the new MBA director, uh, there are a bunch of obstacles in the way of really focusing on nightlife and expanding um, uh, into the later hours. I think we there, there, there are solutions that we can think of in the meantime, but we first have to kind of focus on it running well during the day and the track issues that um, already occur before we can really focus on extending service. One of the challenges, of course, in tourism, and um, I'm out in the city a lot, especially during the day, and I love seeing how many tourists are coming back to Boston uh, after uh, the COVID lockdowns and stay-at-home orders and travel restrictions have been in place. Um, Do you see your role as also working with the tourism business and tourism experts here to try and have a more robust offering for folks who are coming to the city to visit us? Definitely. I have a great colleague in John Borders IV, who is uh, the City of Boston's Director of Tourism, Sports, and Entertainment. And my role really is to connect what we're doing with his shop and what we're doing at license in our licensing division and what we're doing at the at the small business level and and working with uh, BPDA and working with um, fire uh, kind of a connectivity role so and 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 creating a, a clear narrative as to how this entire city works together to attract interesting new uh, ways to enjoy the city 
interesting new ways for folks to explore the city and see what this uh, city has to offer. I'm Sue O'Connell filling in for Callie Crossley. You're listening to Under the Radar. My guest is Corrine Reynolds, the director of nightlife economy for the city government. We're talking about how she plans to change Boston's nightlife for the better. Corrine, one of the other challenges that we have experienced here for decades in the city is, uh, and and I don't want to focus too much just on the nightlife when it comes to um, bars and nightclubs and liquor licenses, but the challenge of having an equitable distribution of of the liquor license to neighborhoods, primarily black and brown folks who have been unable to afford uh, the liquor licenses, which have gotten so expensive. So am I hearing that you're also talking about ways to expand um, uh, reasons for people to go to visit other other neighborhoods than they normally would or would have on their radar, but also ways to encourage um, folks who live in the city to start their own businesses that would focus on nightlife? Most definitely. There, we have 23 robust, unique, culturally uh, diverse neighborhoods in the city of Boston. And we want to encourage not only fellow Bostonians, but folks who travel here to indulge in the in those neighborhoods. And um, a part of that is looking for new policy, new uh, ways to engage different neighborhoods, right? We, um, a lot of people don't know that we have a BYOB policy, right? And so maybe we, we make more BYOB options in neighborhoods like Hyde Park and Dorchester and Jamaica Plain to get folks into those neighborhoods, exploring those neighborhoods in different ways. One of the challenges, too, uh, even in the, in the neighborhoods that aren't traditionally thought of in the nightlife uh, cycle there, is the cost of space. We've been paying a lot of attention to, at, at, over at my other job at Bay Windows, about the lack of an LGBTQ space in the city. There are a few folks who are trying to launch some spaces, but the cost of rent and the cost of space uh, that goes along with that is a challenge. Do you, do you see a way to offer some economic support to folks who want to launch some new li- nightlife businesses? Oh, definitely. So, you know, my work is under the Office of Economic Opportunity and Inclusion, and we actually just launched uh, a program called the Space Grant Program. (laughs) And this grant program will prioritize helping small businesses grow with uh, priority industries that were most affected by COVID-19 pandemic and um, provide these, uh, these companies with, with grants three-year grants uh, up to $200,000 to help them with startup costs, to help identify uh, space for them to occupy um, and, and get their business starting. One of the challenges that you have, too, is also, I think, collecting data as to what residents um, want, right? And also putting into balance our huge college population that we have that comes and goes every every spring and fall for the most part. Are you going to be launching any, um, any surveys uh, so folks can give you some feedback on what they would like to see at in, in nightlife in Boston? So, yeah, I've been getting a lot of feedback through my <laughs> social media accounts. <laughs> I've seen. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, we're, we're looking for new creative ways where we can get, garner some of that feedback. And so my, my Instagram isn't always um, dinging on my phone. And so a few of those ways are under construction. We have a lot, we're going to have a landing page where folks can just 
go and, and give us their input, give us their ideas. And then we're gonna set up different convenings throughout the city um, to have discussions with me to understand the strengths, the weaknesses, the threats, and the opportunities that we have in front of us when it comes to nightlife in the city of Boston. So if I remember correctly, in Mayor Wu's State of the City uh, address this year, she talked about wanting to increase Boston's population over a period of time. Of course, one of the ways to do that is to actually retain the college students who are graduating here in the area, as well as help companies retain people who have come to work here. Do you see the nightlife piece of that uh, as essential to keeping folks in, in and being able to increase that population number? Definitely. This is uh, this role is definitely rooted in retention, retaining folks here in this great city. So folks go home and go to work and go home. We want folks to interact with each other, to interact with their communities, to have to build a sense of community. And that's what will make people stay when they feel like they belong in this city. Uh, we really think that this is uh, it. it it'll drive folks to come and stay here. So Corrine, tell me about your background. What what brings, <laughs> did you ever, first of all, think that there would be a job that was a nightlife expert for the city of Boston? And what, what brought you to this role? Yeah, I, I what I say, I got to this role with a bunch of happy accidents. That's what I'll say. Um, you know, I always, uh, I grew up, in in the music scene and i and I, I sang all over the world when i got to college i, I wanted to be a music teacher and i and i realized that i have to be good at something else i've been doing this my whole life and then i took an urban planning 101 course and i said hey i can change the world in this way i grew up on the south side of chicago and i saw how on uh, under investment can affect neighborhoods and i saw urban planning um, as a way to to help ratify that. And so after I graduated from college, a year later, I moved to Boston and um, a happy accident. I got an internship at the uh, Massachusetts Gaming Commission doing workforce supply and diversity development. And it really opened my eyes to the strong, robust economy that we have here. And um, my... Uh, Director at the time, Jill Griffin, was for, formerly at the Boston Foundation, and that's how I learned about the Boston Foundation. And um, I spent seven years at the Boston Foundation doing economic inclusion and workforce development work. I started at the entry level and ended uh, directing our strat our programmatic strategy. Um, so you're you're able to bring all a number of your interests together to, in service to the nightlife economy here in Boston. Definitely. So what's a night out for you? What what do you think is a fun night out? What what if if you could do anything in the world and 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 in in Boston uh, and then be able to pitch it to the world that this is how you can have a great night in our our beloved Boston, what would it be? I get asked this question quite a bit. <laughs> and so I, you can give me a number yeah, of answers. How okay. about that? <laughs> but I've got a number of answers, but I'll give you a unique one that I haven't given folks yet. Um, one of my favorite things to do is right around, um, you know, the evening time around four or five going uh, to the ICA and um, looking at the exhibits there then taking, they have a, a boat trolley that takes you across the way to East Boston to their watershed. 
and um, it's a great boat ride. I, I feel like we're so close to the water. Everyone should experience that. And then after I, I, I spend some time at the watershed, I go across the street to Down East Brewing company and they have great cider i'm a big fan of their ciders and you also approximate to a bunch of great mexican food um so i'll grab some dinner there and then take the boat back um and enjoy the sunset i'm speaking with corinne reynolds director of nightlife economy for the city government i'm sue o'connell filling in for callie crossley on under the radar corinne talk to me too about um what we've learned from COVID, obviously we are still dealing with COVID. We don't know what uh, is ahead for us. Hopefully we are better informed uh, as to how to expand and, and retract in, in, in reaction to whatever the virus or whatever else is happening. Um, some things that other cities did normally, uh, we started to do. Uh, also like to go cocktails, ways to help support the restaurants and, and um, let them retain their customers during during the COVID cre- eating outdoors. You know, another thing that really kind of uh, uh, showed our European streets, if you will, uh, actually looked European when we were eating outside. Is there anything that you've learned uh, from a government standpoint from COVID, uh, adjustments that were made that you think are good ideas for us to continue or at least to explore whether or not we should continue doing them? Well, I I will say what we learned during COVID, what I experienced was we are good at collaboration and we are a resilient city and state, um, for all that matters. But, um, I think before, the pandemic, there was a lot of silos that ha- that happened in, in not only government, but in our nonprofit sectors, in our business sectors, uh, within just throughout our economy. And what the pandemic showed was when we came together, when we worked together, when we were creative, when we were innovative, then we are stronger and better and we can, and, and, and it really helped us get over the hump during some really tough times. Are there any cities either in America or anywhere, um, that's kind of comparable to our size, that that you think they're doing it right when it comes to nightlife? Yeah, you know what? I am not going to compare Boston to any other city. <laughs> we are special in our own right. <laughs> We're one of the oldest cities, too. So it's it's really hard to compare us to a city like Austin or Chicago or even New York, right? Our infrastructure and and our, our culture and, and what makes us special is just so much different than the other cities. So, you know, part of my job is to show folks how special we are, how different we are and, and why they should come and come back and come back after that. <laughs> How, how much do you think, um, you know, I know that there have been efforts in the past under different administrations uh, to focus on nightlife uh, or to focus on um, events in the city to bring people together. H- how much do you think that it has cost us that we haven't really had someone focusing on it in the way that it looks like you are? Or how much do you think there is to be made here that can add not only in dollars and cents to to Boston, but also to our our, our culture? Um yeah, I, I think we are now realizing the importance of connectivity. And that's really what my role is to connect 
what's already happening throughout the city and create a, a stronger narrative around it and identify ways um, and opportunities to amplify it and make it stronger. Um, you know, we are a cold city during the winter months and we have to kind of embrace that. And I think we have a strong opportunity to embrace that and think of new and creative ways to get people outside, to get active, to get them interacting with each other and building community. What are you hearing from some of the major players and some of the, the minor players in the nightlife industry from everyone from the folks on Lansdowne Street to, you know, the folks over at Slade's? Are, are, are you getting feedback from them? Are you getting a wish list from them as well? The wish list is very long. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that list definitely touches things that I mentioned about that um are controlled at the state level, but you know there are some businesses that would like to stay open to, until two o'clock and serve food until two o'clock, then ten o'clock, and you have to get a special license for that. And there are folks who wish they can um, have more outdoor um, festivals and and interact with their community more. And where, where are some opportunities that we can uh, lean in? Uh, on that front. And so the list goes on and on. Um, folks want to see more queer spaces. Close, uh, folks want to see spaces that um, they see themselves in, right? Um, I think there, there, there are certain communities that feel as if there's not enough space for them to feel welcome and belong and, and have a good time. Some sober spaces um, could be an example of that. Do you do you foresee being able to also negotiate um, some of those licensing burdens? You know, I, I my nightclub work was in Cambridge, not in Boston, but I was always surprised at the number of licenses I had to have in order, you know, a milk license in order to serve a drink that had milk in it. You know, I don't know if that's true in Boston as well, but do you see being able to maybe cut some of the bureaucracy for some of the smaller establishments to help them focus on actually um, uh, bringing people in the door and giving them some value in nightlife? There's definitely an opportunity to work with my colleagues in licensing to to see what's what's working and and what's not working and and also hear from from uh, the businesses that uh, go through the process, right? Sometimes the the perspectives are different on each side. So I can I, I, I try to be a bridge in between those so that we can create solutions to remedy those barriers. How will you know if you're being successful? Do you have a measurement that you're looking at? Well, you know, I'm a month in. So <laughs> we're still creating those KPIs. But what I will say is um, we... We really want to identify the, the resources and the opportunities that we have and ensure that people have access to them. I, I hear a lot about folks like, I don't know what's going on in the city. So in a year's time, if folks know where to go to find, um, you know, their, their, their Friday night out, I'll be happy amongst other things and policy as well. Yeah, it's, it's always been interesting to me. And I mean, part of this has also been the challenge of local media, you know, local newspapers and, and nightlife magazines of, of all constituencies and communities that really don't exist in the same way they used to. That it seems like we as Bostonians have to rely on the tourism guides, which are great if you're a tourist. Right. But, you know, the, the night that you described to me. Um, which is wonderfully appealing and would something that I would do. It's it's hard to actually find that bespoke sort of um, 
a thing for a Bostonian to do. So do you, do you envision partnering with um, upstart magazines or newspapers like the old Boston Phoenix or Improper Bostonian or, you know, the existing Boston magazine? Definitely. And then also utilizing some of the new technology, right, that's out there like TikTok and Instagram. A lot of folks find me, find what they want to do through word of mouth, through Instagram, through TikTok. I know I do, um, even in, in, the own, in my own city. And so how do we curate, you know, use the talent and the, the tastemakers of the city to curate uh, different spaces and, and experiences? Well, Corrine, I wish you the best of luck. I can't wait to see what you do. And I'm, uh, I'm ready to, to go out and stay up past 10 o'clock. So there you go on a Wednesday. How about that? I'll see you out there. <laughs> All right. Corrine Reynolds is the director of nightlife economy for Boston City Government and was previously the director of economic inclusion at the Boston Foundation. Thanks so much for joining me, Corrine. I'll see you out there. All righty. <laughs> That's it for this week's edition of Under the Radar. I'm Sue O'Connell filling in for Kelly Crossley. You can listen to us online at GBH News or wherever you get your podcast and follow us on the Twitter machine and the Facebook to stay up to date with our programming. Under the Radar with Callie Crossley is a production of GBH, produced by Jesse Steinmetz and our intern, Jenny Firm. Our engineer is Dave Goodman. Our theme music is Fish and Chips by We Are Two Saxies, Grace, Kelly, and Leo P. Listen again on Thursday and see you here at 6 p.m. next Sunday for a new episode. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Sue O'Connell.